Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. When God created you in his image, he did so not so much that we look like God. I mean, I don't think that probably we look too much like God. The Bible talks that God is a spirit and that kind of thing. And so obviously we are not. But I believe that we were created in his image because we possess something that he has. And so we're going to be talking today about what that is, that gift that he's given us that we possess that, um, that God has. And I believe that these words you possess are so powerful. And the reason I say that they're the most powerful is because the demons and devils of hell cannot stop these words. In fact, these words are so powerful that even God himself will not stop us if we use these words, uh, you know, going against what he wants to do. So they are very powerful words. And these words can bring... Um, good consequences into our life. They can bring good benefits into our life. They also can bring bad consequences or sorrow or joy because we possess these words. So the question today is, what is it that God's given you? What is, he ha- what is it that he's given you that's so powerful? And what I would tell you today that what God has given you is a freedom, a freedom to choose, a freedom to make a determination between what you will do and what you won't do. And that is called your will. My will and your will. We all have a will. We all get to choose. And it has amazing power. So I know that there's things that come into our life that we don't choose. That can be very painful. But those things are not what I'm talking about today when we don't have control. Pastor Chris did a great job last week talking about that. But what I'm talking about today is what we do choose. And so what I think the most powerful words are from the list that even we've been talking about are these words, I will, I will. I want you to let, I want you to begin to think about those times when you say, I will. Many of you have probably raised children and I would dare say some of those children are strong-willed children. Anybody in the room or at home raised a strong-willed child? Okay, some of you are sitting next to them, I'm sure. Um, I am glad I'm not alone in raising a strong-willed child because I believe I have two at home, my husband Danny and my son Drew. So when we think about a strong-willed child, if you haven't seen one, I want you to go with me in your mind's eye. Let's go to Disney, okay? Let's go there, the happiest place on earth, right? Some of us need a vacation. Let's go there and let's find a a shaded area and let's sit on a bench under a tree and let's people watch for a minute and let's watch for a strong-willed child. It probably is not going to take long for us to find one. And you can see him right now, little, little Junior. He's so cute. He's barely two and he's helping mom push the stroller. 
She's let him get out and get some, some, some uh, exercise and get out of his stroller. And, and she's up top guiding it, but he's pushing it. He thinks he's doing all the work. He has no idea what mom's been doing all day, pushing this almost 40-pound little kid in a stroller, carrying all the bags, deciding where to go. He's just happy to have the freedom right now to be out. Well, then all of a sudden we find out if you've been to Disney, there's always a parade, right? So the streets get emptied and they put up ropes and you have to stand on the outside of the ropes in order to watch the parade so you don't get run over. Well, little Junior, it's time for him to get back in his stroller, right? Do you think he wants to get back in his stroller? No way. He, he's felt the freedom. He's tasted the good life. And so Junior is going to respond maybe more than these ways, but at least one of two ways. One is called, when mom picks him up, is the back arch. Have you ever seen a kid arch his back and try to get them in a, in a car seat or a stroller and they're not wanting to go? It's like trying to wrestle like a question mark, you know, shaped person, trying to, to put them where you want them to go. They're not having it. They're screaming, back arched, I'm not going. And then there's another way that they could uh, react, and that's what we call the wet noodle. Have you ever seen a kid that just dissolves into the ground, you've got like one dangling arm, you know, that you can try to get them where you want them to go because they're just limp noodle on the floor. They're just dissolved into a, 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 a jello mess on, on the floor. And so little Junior is a strong-willed kid. Now, the thing about God is he is not going to strong arm us to make us do what it is that we don't want to do. Otherwise, that would make us programmed robots who are there to just be programmed to do his bidding, but that's not what God desires. God loves you and he just desires you to love him back of your own free will and he gives you a choice. So the question is, how do we manage this gift that God has given us, this free will, this choice that we have? How do we become a good steward of our, our will? And so I think if we want to be successful in life, which I know that most of us do, I think everybody could say, I want to be successful at life. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, all these things, then this is what we have to do. We have to go to the scripture and we have to look at the one perfect person that lived on the face of the, this earth and see how they did it. And so that's Jesus. And we can look at Matthew, the 26th chapter in verse 39, and this is what it says about Jesus. It says in verse 39, And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, Jesus was about to go to the cross. And he was praying in the garden with his disciples. He had left them behind. He went a little ahead. And the Bible talks about the grief and the sorrow and the weight that Jesus was facing as he was praying. The Bible says that his stress became as great drops of blood. That the, if you can imagine for just a moment, all the sin from when Adam and Eve started all the way up to when Jesus was born, and all the sin that was going on while he was on the earth, and all of the sin of the future from our time, all placed on him at once. What would that feel like? The weight, the burden, the sorrow. And so the flesh part of Jesus was screaming, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want 
you, God, to have to forsake me because the weight and the sin of the world has been placed upon me. But Jesus said these words that thank God he did because where would we be if not for Jesus? Where would we be in our sin if not for him? He said, not what I will, but what you will, Father. So we can have what Jesus had, which is a loving God to guide us in our will. So I think the key to becoming a good steward or becoming a good manager of your will is to simply align with God's will. Now, that seems simple, but it's very difficult to do every day. We can see Jesus right here. He was suffering, but because of his suffering, we have salvation. Because of what Jesus did, it changed the entire world. And so you can have, again, this loving Father giving you guidance. And if we want to be a good steward, I think the first thing that we have to think through is this. I have to think about, number one, my beliefs pave the way for my will. My beliefs, what I believe, paves the way for my will and the outcome. I think you would agree with me that the words I feel are used a lot more in our lives each day than the words I believe. Would you agree with that? I, be I believe is used probably less than I feel. I feel this is where I need to go. I feel this is what I need to do. I feel she meant this when she said this. Or I feel we use the words I feel a lot more than we use the words I believe. In other words, we base many of our choices on what we, on what we feel more than what we know. Well, in the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Joshua. And he was the successor to Moses, who was the one that God elected to free the people of Israel from the bondage of the Egyptians. And so as Moses' life was coming to an end, he appointed Joshua to take his place. Now Joshua's life is coming to an end and his leadership. And so he goes to the people of Israel and he wants to give them sort of a last statement, a last speech, if you will. And he tells them to remember their ancestors because there were times when they focused what they did more on their feelings than their beliefs. And he says this in Joshua 24 and verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He was asking, who are you aligning your beliefs with? Is it based on what you feel? Because when your ancestors did that, they built idols. Or is it going to be based on what you know? Joshua was saying, you've got to rely more on your beliefs than your behavior. And I don't know about you, but I don't always feel God near. I mean, if you do, I want to talk to you because I'm doing something wrong, okay? And I don't always feel that God is with me, and I, don't, I know that he is, but I don't always feel that. When we first started Shelter in Place in March, and we were about two weeks in, I don't know how you were feeling, but I was feeling kind of hopeless, and I was thinking about all the things that were going to look different 
the things that we were going to miss. Um, one of my jobs as family ministry pastor is to help kids and students have fun at church while they're learning about Jesus. And as Easter was approaching, I was realizing that we weren't going to be in the building. And I don't know about you, but I have never not been to church in a building on Easter my entire life. I've never missed an Easter. And maybe you have, and, and that's, that's, that's okay. It's just that it was a tradition in my life for me, and it was going to look a lot different. And I began to think about all the things we were going to miss. And I thought about my little boy, Drew, who was finishing kindergarten, and how that he was going to miss a lot of things that second half of kindergarten that kids get to do, like kindergarten graduation and their, their program and, and all the things that, that field trips, your, your seniors that were graduating, what they were missing. It just began to, to weigh on me, and I got in my feelings a lot. And as I was reading my Bible one day, I just felt God say something to me in my heart. And I hope that it helps you too when you get in your, buried in your feelings. And this is what he said to me. In my heart, I heard him say, when everything is changing around you, look for the things that don't. When everything's changing around you, look for the things that don't. And I began to think about what does that mean? What doesn't change? Well, God's word never changes. God's love for us never changes. The fact that Jesus came and died and, and rose again for me will seal my salvation as long as I'm aligned with him, that never changes. And those are things that we can hold on to, things that we can believe in. Am I gonna serve my feelings or am I going to serve my beliefs? We have to ask ourselves that question. And so today, I wanna ask those of you at home and those of you here in the room today, who will you serve? Who will you believe in? Who will you trust? Who will you align your will with today? And I want to invite you to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to serve the one who gave his life for you, who lived the perfect life, who's already shown us the way. And I want to invite you to serve him and based, based on what you know and not what you feel. So let's pray today right here. Let's stop and ask Jesus to come into our hearts. If you've never done that, let's do it. Lord, we come to you. And God, I know that there may be people watching at home or on vacation or wherever they may be. There may be people here in this room that maybe they've never asked you to come into their life and be the leader, or maybe they've done it a few times, but they still feel that they're not aligned with your will. And so God, today, I ask, Lord, that you would touch them where they are, that they could say, Jesus, come into my heart. And forgive me of all the sins that I've committed. Jesus, help me to follow your will and follow your way and turn from my way and do what it is that you would have me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you that maybe prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I just want to say welcome home. Welcome to God's family. And we want you to do something so that we know that you made that decision. And that's just text the words following Christ to the number on the screen. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand. Not going to ask you to come forward. Just want to know so that we can pray for you. And also so we can send you a free gift. It's a book that Pastor has written just for you. It's called Your Next Steps. And it's what to do after you found faith in Jesus Christ. So please 
text those words, following Christ to the number on the screen. And I'm so glad you chose to follow him. Now, if we have our beliefs lined up with what we need to do with God, we've aligned our beliefs, then what's the outcome? Well, number two is when I align my will with God's will, it sets me up for great things. When I align my will with God's will, it sets me up for great things. When I choose to allow God to guide my life, I have a front row seat to see what God will do. And so do you in your life. Remember the challenge that Joshua gave to the children of Israel? Who will you serve? Well, again, as I told you, his life was coming to an end. And the prophet Samuel would write what would happen after his leadership was done. And we can find this in Judges uh, chapter 2 and verse 7. And this is what it says. As long as Joshua lived, the people of Israel served the Lord. And after his death, they continued to do so as long as the leaders were alive who had seen for themselves all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. So Joshua loved God. The leaders that lived after him loved God. And the people continued to serve God as long as they could remind them of the things that God had done. The great things. I want to ask you today, what things has God done in your life? What great things has he done in the last week, month, year? What has he done? I want to encourage you to write those down. To get those into your heart. So that you won't veer off course. Because what we find is that when all of these leaders passed away, that were reminding the people of what God had done, they began to get off course. And they would go to battle. And the Bible says that, the, that God could not go to battle with them because they had disaligned or misaligned themselves away from God. Why? And God didn't overpower their choice because we all have a free will. It's kind of like when we intentionally swim against a current. Has anybody ever done that? Like you went to a river and you've just tried to swim upstream. It's kind of fun to see how far you can get at first. But as you continue, you get tired, right? And you just kind of have to go back and go with the flow. Well, when you're in the flow of God's will, there is no sweeter place. There may be friction from the world, but friction from the world is nothing compared to the friction of going against what God would have you to do and the ways that God would have you to go. Would you agree with that? So we want to be in the flow, in the current, with what God would have you do. So if we've aligned our beliefs, and we know that when we do that, God will do great things, how do you know God's will? How do you know what it is that God wants you to do? How do you know what it is that God would have you to know and, and, and how would he would have you to align your will with his? Well, there's three things I want to talk to you about real quickly. Letter A is admit you need guidance. Admit you need guidance. Some of you may say, well, you know, I've never felt God guiding me. Well, maybe it's because you've never asked for help. Look at what Psalm 25 and 9 says. He guides the who? The humble in what is right and teaches them his way. You are never more humble than when you are asking for help. You are never more humble than when you're asking for help. And we do things all the time. We assume we know what to do all the time. 
And we make decisions about work and about school and about who to date and about what money to spend. Sometimes never even asking God's guidance. So let's not say that I will do this or I will do that without first asking God and admitting that I need help. Letter B is this, after you admit you need guidance, is to ask God in faith for direction. Ask God in faith for directions. Notice the word faith there. The Bible says this in James 1, 5 through 6. It says this, if you want to know what God wants you to do, what should you do? Ask him and he will gladly tell you for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. But when you ask him, be sure that you really what? Expect him to tell you. For a doubtful mind will be as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So notice in this verse, there's two ways or two keys to knowing God's wisdom. First, you got to ask the right person. Many times we go to work, we go to school, even to church, which is all fine. And we ask everybody else's opinion before we ask God for what he thinks, before we go to the source. Now, are there a lot of people with godly wisdom? Absolutely. And I think the Bible talks a lot about we should seek wisdom and people. And, but first, we can't remember the source. First, we have to remember to go to him. And the way to figure out what God thinks is to go to his guidebook. He's written something down for you. It's called the Bible. God's word is God's will. Let me say that again. God's word is God's will. That is where we start. That is where we start. And then in prayer, after you've gone to God and you've looked in his word, you can ask him what he wants you to do based on that. It kind of reminds me of this scenario. If someone were to come up to you today and say, I need to come by your house after church, but I don't know how to get there. And you would say, well, do you have a smartphone? And they say, no, I don't have a smartphone. No problem. I'll write the directions down for you. And so they do that turn by turn, write the directions down for you. And so they go home and they wait an hour two hours, four hours, you never show up. They call you on your flip phone because you don't have a smartphone. And they say, where are you? And you say, I can't find your house. And they say, well, were the directions, did I write them down incorrectly? Did it confuse you? And, and you say, oh, I never looked at them. I just got in my car and started driving. It makes no sense, right? We would never do that. But yet every day, what do we do? We make decisions, big decisions sometimes, without consulting God. So I know who to ask, I go to him, but how do I ask? Again, um, James tells us to be sure to really expect God to answer. So we go to him in faith, why? Because God honors faith and he promises wisdom for the next step of your life. I was reading a book a couple of months ago and there was a line in the book that convicted me to my core. I mean, it literally brought tears to my eyes because I felt convicted, because I felt like I had been going against what God wanted me to do in my thoughts. 
And a lot of times I feel like, and I'm using the word feel, I get overcome by fear. And maybe sometimes you do too. And so as I was reading this book, there was one line that stuck out to me and it said this, don't let, let your lack of faith limit what God can do. And I thought, man, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm telling God all the things I don't have. And he's just saying, look at what you do have and don't limit what I can do based on your lack of faith. I had to just cry a little bit because I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not believing in the God that has displayed in his word over thousands of years when a person in, in his word would, there, there's all kinds of accounts. They have one little thing, but God makes something big out of it. He takes a little bitty stone and he kills a great giant, okay? He takes a little bit of oil or a little bit of flour and feeds a family for the rest of their lives. I mean, he takes loaves of bread and fish and he feeds 5,000 people plus the women and the children. There's account after account where God has taken little and he does many, many big things. And I can't let my lack of faith or what I, it looks like I don't have limit what God can do because he owns it all. Amen? He owns it all. Lastly, Letter C, I've got to admit that I need guidance. I've got to ask for faith, in faith for direction. And letter C, I've got to appreciate God's will as a relationship. I've got to appreciate God's will as a relationship. Now, we've talked about this already. God's will is not a feeling. So for you guys that are right-brained, you're the creatives, you're artsy, you know, all those types of things. You're, you're creative or musical. I'm married to one and just creative and that kind of thing. And you get in your feelings a lot. But again, God's will is not a feeling. The Bible says uh, in Jeremiah, we don't have the scripture, but he, he tells us in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart will lead us in deceitful ways. Our feelings are not good leaders, but they are great followers. Our feelings are terrible leaders, but they make great followers. When you're going to make a decision, take your feelings out of it. Go to God and then make a decision with empathy and sympathy. Put those feelings back into your situation. Don't let your feelings lead you, lead your feelings. Now, for us left brain people, which is me, God's will is not a formula, okay? Unfortunately, it's not A plus B equals C every single time. Now, there are some things in God's word. If you do this, you'll get this. But as far as God's will is in our life, specifically for you, it's dynamic. It's moving. It's not like a recipe. If we leave something out of a recipe, sometimes it could be the, the difference between a pancake and a birthday cake, right? And so we have to understand that if it's a formula, it doesn't leave any room for mistakes. And God is full of second chances. So sometimes God's will is not A or B, it's A to Z. And it's any of those choices can be good. As long as you are aligned with God's will, his word and his character. God is not going to have you do anything outside of his word and outside of who he is, his character. So half of our decisions could be made and solved because we have a brain. Would you agree with that? God has given us what we need. So 
God's will is not a feeling. It's not a formula. Again, it's a relationship. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, even Christ our Lord. It is amazing to think about that God wants to be my friend. That just blows my mind. And he wants to be your friend. And he's inviting us into this relationship. There's very few scriptures that say this is God's will for your life. But there's thousands of verses that talk about a relationship with a loving God that just wants you to love him back. Because God's will is a relationship. When we figure out God's who God is, we figure out his will. When Danny and I got married, if you don't know Danny, he's the really hot guy that sings here in the middle. <laughs> Keith is on the stage too, so I don't know where they were today, but Danny's my husband. And we got married, we had been dating two years, and so we knew each other pretty well. Um, now, nearly 15 years later, we really know each other. Now, some of you are even further along in marriage than us, and you know what your spouse is going to say before they even say it, which is just mind-blowing to me. There's very few times that Danny speaks that I'm not surprised by what he's going to say. I'm always surprised by what Danny's going to say. So I'm not there yet, but you guys that know your spouse know what they're going to say. And it's the same with God. When you get to know him, you get to know his will. God's will is God's guide. So we have to stop thinking about just guidance and we have to get to know God, get to know him. Well, some of you may be thinking, this is great. I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do. I feel like I'm in the middle of his will. I've aligned my will with his, but there's still situations in my life that I just don't know what to do. And I think we all could say there's something in our life that we're just not sure what to do. What do I do, God? I've prayed about it. I've went to his word. I've talked to people and I'm still not sure. And Paul encourages us a lot throughout scripture in the New Testament about things that are specifically God's will. And one of those are found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And this is what the verse says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Would you read these next words with me? For this is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. Pray always. Rejoice always. Give thanks always in every circumstance. When it all said, is said and done, this is what matters. Corey Timboom writes in her book, The Hiding Place, what happened to her, her and her sister and her family as they were hiding Jews in their home during World War II to keep the Nazis away from them. And they were captured, Corey and her sister. They were transported to a, a concentration camp. And she talks about how her sister would not survive. She would die that year in December 1944. But on their way, they would pack 80 women, strip-searched and cold and humiliated. They would cram them onto a train car and take them to these camps. They would be interrogated. They would be abused. There was no medical treatment. And they would be hungry. 
And during that time, as they were captured, they would, someone slipped them a small Bible. And even through all of the searches of the guards coming in and searching where they were, they never found this small Bible. And she would talk about how a certain verse brought them so much peace and told them what to do when they didn't know what to do. And that verse was the one that we just read. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And they would say, God, the circumstances we're in are terrible. What do we do? And Corey said her little sister Betsy would say, we gotta thank God. And she's like, for all these circumstances, look at what we're going through. She goes, you gotta thank God. They got to their barracks and they realized that their beds were filled with fleas. And she said, Betsy, I can't thank God for these fleas. And she said, even in the circumstance with these fleas, let's thank God for who he is and for what he's able to do. This is God's will for us. Corey writes that later they found out that it was the fleas that kept the soldiers from coming in and searching night after night. It kept them safe. Can I tell you that when you align your will with God's will, that he holds you in his hand, and when you pray and you rejoice, and you thank him in every circumstance that he has you. He knows what your life is to be. He knows the greatness in it that's to unfold. And he will be with you. Will you say I will to him today? Will you say I will praise, I will rejoice, I will follow, I will trust no matter what? I hope you will. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father, today, we thank you that your will, God, is perfect. And God, you know every step that we should take. You tell us in your word that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of you. And so, God, today we put our life in your hands. And we align our will with your will. And we say, I will to you. We say, I will follow, I will trust, I will pray, I will give thanks in every circumstance, no matter what I'm going through. I will be thankful even for the fleas. Because God, I know that you are protecting us and you are guiding us and you are leading us and you will not let us fall. And so today we say, I will, in Jesus' name. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.